Uh, I've been talking about stewardship uh, for the last few weeks. Stewardship has to do with management, right? To be a steward. We don't really use that word much anymore. It means to be a manager. So it's, it's about our time, talents, and treasure. It's a way of living. And uh, today we're going to look at a story that you're familiar with, probably if you've read much in the Bible. And it's about a guy that came to Jesus. And, you know, I can identify this because sometimes we come and we think we've got really something important to say or an important question to ask, you know. And we want to, like, score some points or something. Like, I'm right in here and I want to do something. But then, you know, the Lord takes us right back down there and shows us the truth about herself that we don't really want to see. Because there are probably some, uh, oh, okay, there are truths about me and there are probably some truths about you that are there and you are really aware of them, but you really don't want to see them. You don't want attention called to it. You don't want to deal with them. But the only way we're going to be free, the only way we're going to be whole, the only way we're going to be holy is if we let him, okay? And so, of course, um, that's in Luke chapter 18. We were in Luke chapter 12 last week, so we're in Luke chapter 18 and... Um, Talk about a, a real heart exam uh, because that's what happens. This guy um, is thinking about things he can do in his actions, and the Lord challenges him in a way that exposes his heart, okay? Right? Well, let's just read it. Let's just, just get it in our hearts too, okay? Are you ready? You ready to get in the Word? Are you excited? All right? I mean, we just do this so often. It's kind of like no big deal. It's a big deal, all right? Because and, and, and here's the thing, you know... Uh, Despite all my uh, weaknesses, I know the Lord will show you something that he has for you today if you open yourself up to it, right? Because he's a mighty God. He can do that. All right, good. Ready? Here we go. Let's read this story. Actually, can I back up a little bit? Because this story in verse 15, in all three of the first three Gospels, these two things are together, right? These, they're, they're, all of them list them together. So it makes me think that probably these things happened at the same time, and the guy that comes to Jesus probably heard what Jesus said about the little children. And I like this because in verse 15, we find out that people were bringing infants to Jesus. They were bringing them to him that he might touch them, and uh, I'm sure they wanted him to just bless them. And, you know, they, they, were, they were bringing them to Jesus. And, and here's something else that's not like in the text, but I think this, that the kids wanted to go to Jesus. It's hard to fool kids. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, we had some mean preachers. I mean, oh, we had some uh, preachers that, I mean, I was scared of them as a kid, you know. I was pretty sure they did not like me, all right. But here we have Jesus, and little kids want to go crawl in his lap. There was something winsome. There was something charming. There was something magnetic about Jesus that even little kids wanted to go to him. I think that says a lot uh, about just, just the way he was when he was here. So uh, the disciples saw this, and evidently they thought these people were hassling Jesus, so they were getting on people. Don't do that, don't do that. But then Jesus gets on to them. And so Jesus called them to him. He called them and said, come here, guys, come here. I want to tell you something, right? So verse 16, Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. Why? Because of such is the kingdom of God. All right, they're not second-rate anything. They're of such, people like them, is what makes up the real kingdom of God. So he says in verse 17, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive, now listen to these words carefully, receive the kingdom as a little child will by no means enter it. Then he is in that same scene, I think. In verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do 
to inherit eternal life. So Jesus said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Then the guy says, he says, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. All right, so pretty much uh, Jesus is telling him to do something that will involve his time, his abilities and talents, and his treasure. All three of the things we've been talking about. But verse 23 tells us that when the man heard this, he became sorrowful. The other gospel tells us he went away. He left. He didn't talk anymore. He left. Sorrowful, for he was very rich. Okay, all right. Now, Jesus is going to do something that diagnoses... Something on the inside, right? Remember, okay, remember the verse that we've been kind of looking at every week? Remember this? In Matthew 6, 21, where Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we find out here with this exam that Jesus puts him through, we find out where his heart really was. And it wasn't where he pretended it was. Maybe it wasn't even where he thought it was. But I think these two stories uh, are supposed to kind of go together, that we're to receive the kingdom as little children. We're to be childlike. Notice, put on brakes for a second, there's a difference between being childlike and childish. Right? Sometimes we're childish instead of childlike. To be childlike is to be like little children. They have no strength. They have no works. They have no knowledge. They can't come on their own. They have to be brought. And Jesus is saying that's the way we got to come in humility and like little children do. And also, did you notice he was saying that that, um, he's telling the disciples, and probably others are hearing this, that whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child. Did you hear that? You can't earn the kingdom. You can't achieve the kingdom. You have to receive. Receive. It's something that is provided for you that can be yours. The question is not whether you are worthy of it. The question is not whether you can achieve it. The question is will you receive it by faith? And we know that from all the rest of the teaching of Scripture. And so... Uh, This guy comes to Jesus then right on the heels of this, of him talking about receiving the kingdom. And then he asks, what must I do? See the difference? See the contrast? Okay? Just got to make sure. Because, see, I have a tendency. It's one of my my problems I have. If I don't think people are, like, getting it, I tend to over-explain it and, and talk a lot longer. Now you're in there. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, so Jesus exposes this man, his life objective, of it sounds really good, doesn't it? Like, he's a ruler. Now, a ruler probably, it just seems like most common that it, what it would probably apply to was a ruler in the synagogue. Um, that you know, at that time, the Jews had places and besides the temple where they met in every community and they gathered kind of like, kind of like it's a pattern similar to what we do. They met on the Sabbath uh, which would have been their Saturday, and they would gather uh, in a synagogue, and you would have a ruler of the synagogue, and kind of the people who went there, you know, he kind of was like boss, and they would read scriptures, they'd pray, they'd do things kind of similar like that. Um, 
here's the problem. If you got kicked out of church or like, you know, in their synagogues, if you got kicked out of the synagogue, if you got expelled, then usually no one would do business. They would shun you. you nobody would do business with you. Uh, you might lose your inheritance. There's just a lot of things went on like that. And um, that's why later on you find even a guy that Jesus healed that he was kicked. Basically, if you understand what's going on, that he was kicked out. And, uh, you know, he's kind of by himself, and Jesus came and, and uh, you know, encouraged him and ministered to him. And so, you know, that may be who this guy was, probably a ruler. He's probably a ruler in the synagogue, which means he had quite a bit of authority and position and power. And uh, probably was, it sounds like, because he's described as being rich, very well off, that he was a very, okay, get this, religious person. Okay. He's very religious, and we, we, we find out what he says, backs that up. Man, he's known the commandments. He thinks he's kept them since he was a kid. He's always been in there. So this is a guy that's very religious, and he comes to Jesus. And, uh, but yet then Jesus exposes, here's a guy that may be kind of like a ruler, a leader, a pastor-type figure and all that, but his heart wasn't what he actually pretended that it was or maybe what he thought it was. Uh, because you remember from last or a week or so, um, what was it? Um, what verse did I have up there? Okay. Actually, I wanted to have another verse up there, but I don't. Okay, good. <laughs> I love it when I get confused. Uh, so he, he points out that he had a, a defect in his heart, okay? That there was, you know, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. And so Jesus kind of points that out. He addressed Jesus as good teacher. That's the first thing. Now he's going to make an impression. And, and, you know, he wants to make a good impression. And, um, and so he goes, good teacher. And it's like Jesus says, what? And see, this is something that a lot of times is a good way of teaching that I've had used on me many times. It's like, wait, let's take a moment and think about what you just said. Because sometimes things just come out of our mouth. You know, I'm kind of like the guy that says, sometimes I have no idea what I'm thinking until I hear it come out of my mouth, Right? You know, some of you are, are really wired differently. You put a lot of thought into things. And when you say something, it's usually really worth hearing. You know, you have to cull through mine. That's why I have to work so hard to prepare messages, you know, because uh, I want, you know, Lord, get, keep me out of the way. But, um, but that's what Jesus does. To, and I just try to relate to things, you know. But that's kind of what Jesus does to this guy. He's just like, you know, we need to stop. And you need to think about what you just said. He called Jesus good teacher. So it's almost like, do you realize this guy's a student of the law? He's a student of the Old Testament. He should have known some of these things that uh, the, the Bible says in Psalm 14, 2 and 3, that there's none good. There's no one that really seeks after God. There is none who is good. And then <clears throat> Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 that there's none who are good. That on our own, there is no one good. There's only one that's good, and that's God. And it's almost like, are you recognizing who I am? You called me good teacher. Was he recognizing that Jesus was God who came in the flesh? Actually, he didn't. But Jesus is drawing that point out there. Because this poor guy is so religious, and he stumbles all around the truth. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have good, think I've got good intentions and, and think I'm trying to be on the right track, think I'm trying to do the right things, but stumble all around the real truth. And that's what this guy does. Because he says, good teacher. And Jesus asks him, he says, why are you calling me good? There's none good but one, that is God. So that points out there, are you recognizing my deity? Which I don't think he was. But there's a point that's taught. 
Um, and so, you know, he should start getting clued in here. God's the only one that perfect, is perfect. He, he knew that. And um, it should clue everyone in that good works and commandment keeping, which this guy thought he had, are not enough. Because we're already sinners. We've already blown it. We can't earn it. We can't achieve it. Then he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus just said that we must receive the kingdom like a little child. But yet here's this guy calling Jesus good but not realizing what he's saying. And then he's asking, what can I do? So it's not about faith for him. It's about, you know, I want to check my list off and I'm in control of it, right? And Jesus is pointing out the truth about him. One thing is, is he needed to realize who Jesus is, and he needed to realize that he was a sinner. And maybe instead of coming to Jesus saying, what can I do, what can I do? He needed to be like the guy in a story earlier in this chapter of Luke that came and fell on his face. And he beat himself in the breast and said, God, breast, and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? That's where we start. It's what separates the gospel from all the religions of the world who are all about things that you do to try to gain your standing to heaven or the next life or next whatever. All right? So basically, all of the other world religions involve that, a higher level of consciousness, whatever it is. But the gospel, true Christianity, is the only one that says you get started by saying and admitting and realizing there is nothing you can do. It's what God has already done for you. You must receive it by faith and totally trust what he did on your behalf on the cross where he died for your sin and where he also was resurrected to give you victory over sin. You've got to put your faith in that. Um, so, yeah, and, 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 and also he used the word, uh, what must I do? To inherit. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? To inherit eternal life. Um, yeah, inherit. Last time I checked, in order to be an heir, to inherit something, somebody got to die. Right? Right? Does he understand that Jesus is God and that there's nothing he can do? He must receive it by faith. And does he understand, in order for him to inherit it, Jesus is going to have to die? I mean, all of that's in there, but the guy stumbles all around it. And so uh, he uses that word in here. I just thought that was interesting, um, but that's what he does. Paul even points out later in his writings, and in Hebrews it points out that Jesus tasted death for every one of us. Wages of sin is death, and Jesus died. And we celebrate that in baptism, right, as we're identifying by faith and in baptism to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that he died for our sins. Anyway, so that we inherit. We're an heir of God because of that. All right, so this guy doesn't understand all that, but it comes out. Well, so Jesus just points to some commandments, right? You see that? So he said to him, uh, you know the commandments. You know. Jesus knows that he knows. Jesus knows who he is. We can't fool him. You know this, all right? And so he rattles off a few of them, right? Do you see the ones? I notice as I look at that list. Did you look at the list? Okay, he doesn't mention any of the first four. The very first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. Not to have any gods before him. Not make any idols or graven images. Not take his name in vain. Uh, to rest in him. Remember the Sabbath, resting in him. The first four have to do, and then, and then the next six have to do really with our relationship with each other. 
And, and those are the ones that he brings out here just to do with our relationship with each other. He says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. Well, he left off the last one, which is, thou shalt not covet. All right? But the ones he mentioned are all things that involve other people and things that you can pretty well look at your life and you can check off. No, I'm pretty sure I know that I didn't kill anyone today. I you know, literally did not commit adultery today. I literally did not steal anything today. And, you know, I didn't say things about other people that I shouldn't today. I've helped take care of my parents. So he could check off all of those, and he felt like he's pretty good. But yet, doesn't it tell you there was something deep down inside this guy? There was something way down in there that was still empty. With all of his religiousness and all of his doing and all of that, there's still, there was something. And he knew it, so he comes to Jesus. He's drawn to Jesus and I see a lot of people that are drawn to Jesus. But then when Jesus helps us to see us as we really are, so he can help us, we choose the way we are over him. And, and, and that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but he has great ideas here. He's empty, but he's seeking. And he wants to know what he can do. Oh, that covet part, maybe Jesus left that off because all these others you can kind of check off, but coveting is an inside job. I mean, it can result in actions later on, but you can be coveting what other people have and things like that, and you're doing, that's something you do in your heart that people might not be able to see, so you can look like you know, you're just all great and everything, but you can be filled with envy and covetousness and uh, greed and all that. It, could be, it will come out in some form, but that's something that when you do it, you don't necessarily see it on the outside. It's an inside job. Okay, but I just wanted to point that out. And, uh, so, but guess what Jesus does? The guy says, I've, I've observed all these things. In other words, I've observed not just these, but I've observed the commandments since I was a kid. Really now? <laughs> really now? Can everybody, I mean, since you were a kid, since you were old enough to know right and wrong, you've always done right? Huh. Well, that's just the way I feel about it. How about you? All right. So guess what Jesus does? He doesn't like start attacking him like, remember that time that you were at the store and you snuck out with a pack of gum? Which I'm sure didn't really apply to him. I'm talking about something that might happen to us because I don't think they had gum. What did they, they chewed on something probably. I'm not sure what it was. You know, there was, you know, gum that came out of trees that chewed on that. Um, I don't know, Wayne, do you, you remember? I'm sorry, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there was probably something there, but Jesus doesn't analyze any of that. He doesn't go into it. Guess what he does? He asks for something to do. Jesus gives him something to do. But it's something to do that would demonstrate where his heart really is. He gave him something to do. All right, you want something you do? But, what, but doing this will show the real you. Okay? He says, you sell everything you have, give it to the poor. So that's going to involve his possessions, Right? Everything he has, all of his treasure. He says, you give it to the poor, and you're going to have treasure in heaven, and you come follow me. You invest your talent and your time. So time, talent, treasure. You, your time, the rest of your life. You just follow me and be my... You're interested in me, and you think I can tell you this. If I've got the key to eternal life, then you should just follow me. And so he gave him something he could do. So when he came to Jesus saying, what can I do? What was he thinking? What was he thinking it would be? I don't know. But Jesus actually gave him something he could do, but 
it was something that would show his heart, and he wouldn't do it. I love how wise our Lord is. <sighs> do this, and then he wouldn't do it. In fact, he didn't even want to talk about it anymore, did he? He didn't want to argue about it. He left. He went away, it says, because he was very rich. He wanted his stuff, and he wanted his car. I'm doing that because I got to get down to business. This is the way I could be, you can be. He wanted eternal life for himself. He wanted eternal life as one more thing that I can tack on to stuff that I have. I want it, yeah. And, and, and it's okay to want eternal life, but it was, it was still about him. His stuff, it, it was not about a relationship with God. It's just one more thing that I want to have, you know. It's not, Lord, I want to spend eternity with you. It's like, I want eternal life for me. Did you see that? It's very subtle. you got to think a little bit. But, uh, yeah. And because of the way he reacted, it exposed something. Did it not? All this commandment keeping that he's done since he was a boy... It exposed it maybe he hadn't. Because even though Jesus didn't mention, maybe there's a reason why. Because he knows us why he didn't mention those first four. He skipped to some that he knew the guy thought he could check off. Because here's the deal. Was there not something in his life more important than God and God's kingdom? The truth is, the dude had not even kept the very first commandment. He had an idol. You shall have no other gods before me. There was something in his life that was more important than God and God's kingdom. So the truth is, without even saying it, Jesus exposed the fact that the guy had not even kept the first commandment. And he needed to realize that he was a sinner. Because until I realize and I can admit I'm a sinner, I'm not going to know that I need a Savior. Right? That's why the good news isn't good news Unless there's bad news. Have we talked about this before? Huh? I mean, good wouldn't be good if there wasn't bad. It, would just, it, would, it wouldn't be good news. It'd just be news, right? So the reason why there's good news, the gospel, is because there's bad news. And the bad news is, is that God gave us all a free will and every one of us a sin. And God is absolutely perfect. And sin can't dwell with God in, in his perfect heaven. Something had to be done about our sin. We're all sinners. We have to realize the truth about ourselves, that we're lost, we're sinners, we're spiritually dead. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves and uh, we, we need to know that before we're going to receive the gift of a Savior who came to pay the price to buy us back out of sin, to redeem us, right? And that's what this guy needed to know. And the thing about it is, is everything he has really belongs to God, right? He just won't let it go. And, and to him, his stuff was more important to him, right, than the kingdom of God, than God. He chose it over God. And he lacked one thing, Jesus said. You lack one thing. There's one thing. And this one thing will show who you really are. And in lacking that one thing, he, he missed everything. Right? I don't, I don't want to lack one thing and miss everything. Do you? He went away sorrowful. He was really sorry that he couldn't have it both ways. And that's, that's really all our stuff usually gives us in the end is sorrow and hassle and trouble. He's called the rich young ruler. 
in some of the other gospel accounts, he's called the rich young ruler. Well, there were three things right there that could get in his way, that could get in anybody. It didn't have to get in the way, but it could. You know, there's just things in our lives that the enemy will try to use to get in our way, and he's described as the rich young ruler. Say that ten times fast as you can. Uh, but so rich, he was rich, so that could be something the enemy uses as an obstacle, that material things can become more important than God. And I think we see that there. He was young, which means sometimes when you're young, you, so time, talent, and treasures, all this is involved here. Uh, when you're young, you think you got all the time in the world. It's like, yeah, okay, well, maybe I'll deal with that later. And you don't know how much time you have. Remember the other story we read, Luke chapter 12, where the guy thought, I've got so much goods laid up for many years. I'll tell my soul, take, ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, everything's going to be good. And God said, you're being foolish because this very night your soul's going to be required of you. Uh, and, and so you don't know, but being young sometimes, you don't take it serious, right? So that could be an issue here. And then he was a ruler, which means he uh, maybe had a little problem with power. He liked it, right? I like the position. I like the popularity. I like the power, the, the authority. And there's a pride issue there. Huh. I'm going to let this rogue rabbi, you know, dress me down like that. Anyway, I just see he's a rich young ruler. All three of those things can be things that the enemy could use to get in the way. And we've all got things that the enemy tries to use to get in the way, man. Okay? Well, I do. I don't know about you. And uh, the guy showed that his whole objective of why he had things and why he had stuff in the first place was way off. Because, oh, here's a verse I thought I had earlier. Here it is. Remember what Jesus said to beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things you possess. Remember that? That's not what your life's about. But evidently this guy thought that's what his life was about because that was the most important thing. Are we ready to move on? Have we got that? All right. So here now comes a difficult part is why do you have, what's your purpose? What's my purpose? Why do we have stuff? So I'm going to do a self-exam. You ready? Why do you have stuff? What am I trying to accomplish with my time, money, and resources? Even though I know Jesus is Lord and I trust him, yet still, uh, what's he asking of me? What's my purpose? Uh, what am I trying to accomplish with the, the, all of these things, the time, money, and treasures that I have, uh, the resources and abilities I have? Some might say, well, my purpose is to provide for my family, right? Amen? That's a good, that's a good one. That is a good one. It's a great goal. And guess what? Are you you got to stay with me or you're going to misunderstand. It's, it's a biblical goal. That is biblical. You should try to provide for your family. But if that's all then you already know you're leaving a lot of things out and you're out of balance. Something's not right. It can't all be that. Well, then sometimes we'll say, well, my objective and my purpose in life is to make all the money that I can. Well, guess what? There's nothing wrong with trying to do your best and trying to do your very best uh, and, and um, be your best. But if that's all you focus on, then, then you, you're going to get off track there as well. If your drive in life is just to make as much as you can... That doesn't mean you'll manage it very well, see? Um, it might mean you just make more problems and complications for yourself, right? We all have heard about multimillionaires that have, you know, go bankrupt and have rotten, miserable lives, all that stuff. But anyway, well, some might say, well, it's to save all you can. That's what you should do, right? You should save all that you can as much as possible. Well, guess what? 
Once again, saving is very important. And probably most of us in here need to spend a little time not just praying, but planning a little bit so that we could do more of this, right? But there might be a few that that is their objective. I just want to save. I'm just storing it all up. If that's your primary focus, then you're kind of off there too. You might get good at saving, but you might not be very good when it comes to giving. Or, or even letting somebody borrow something that's yours. And I know you've got to be wise about that. You really do, you know. But, uh, but you might become a hoarder, you know. You might give a seminar on saving and investing, but you're unbalanced. Because guess what? No one else in this world is going to benefit from the way God has blessed you and what you've accumulated until you die and it's pried from your cold, dead hands. Right? It hasn't been used for the kingdom or for blessing anyone else. It's just you, and you didn't even use it, and then somebody else is going to come along and blow it. I got news for you, right? What are you saving for anyway? What, what, what is it? What are you? Yeah, okay, those are all things that we need to ask ourselves, all right? Well, it's also been said, so that could be it. So, the next one is spend all. Somebody might say, spend all that I can. You know, it's been said that if aliens came and, like, hid behind the moon... And spied, I don't know why they would need, but they, they had to hide somewhere. But if they kind of hid and they kind of peeked around, you know, the dark side of the moon. I'm not talking about my personality, okay. I'm talking about the actual moon in the sky. And, and the aliens were hiding behind there and they were spying on us. Okay, let me just stop for a minute. I don't think that's actually happening because there's probably some of you that, that think it is. But let's just, say, let's just say they were, and they were watching. They were watching the United States of America. They had their telescope on us, and they were watching us. They might come to the conclusion that our whole purpose of life is to spend all that we can if they were spying on us. Because especially during this time of year, we're encouraged to do a lot of it. And um, now nobody writes that down as their goal. What's your purpose and goal in life? Spend as much money as I can. All right. Of course, husbands and wives, let's just be careful right now. No elbowing, no reactions. It's just be cool. Because that's probably not really the goal. Uh, unintentional goal. But nobody really writes that down. And a lot of times we have too much we might, we, it, it, we, it, some things that drive that is too much consumer debt. You know, there's two types of debt. Uh, well, at, there's at least, okay, but, but two basic things is business debt, and that's where you borrow money and pay interest on it, but you're investing it in something that you hope will increase in value, right? And, and that's a good thing. The problem is, is that sometimes you have to use consumer debt. That's where you borrow money on things that you actually consume, and it's gone. And sometimes you have to do that. But if we're not careful, we can get so much into that, that, that everything we borrow money for, we consume. And then by the time you got it paid off, it's gone or not worth anything. And we, 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 we probably buy too. Sometimes this happens, but sometimes we probably buy too many things that as soon as we buy it, we owe more on it than what it's actually worth. And we get so many things like that. And, um, and then that, that, gets, that gets us in a, in, a, in a certain mode. It gets us in buried under there. And uh, remember the old days when, you know, people would like, you would like save up, right? You would save up and then you would buy something. So at the very moment you had it paid for, it was new. But now, by the time we have it paid for, it's junk. Yeah, okay. So that can be a problem. And in, in, in early days in our, our country, it was that um, if things went bad, going into debt was a sign of things not going well. 
but but in the in, in the world we live in, that you know, it's, it, if your things are going good, then your credit rating goes up, and then you can just borrow more at a cheaper interest, and it's just encouraged. So people are are, are so so the thing about it is is that you know what used to be a sign of things not going well, uh, and now has become a sign of things that are going well, but. We'll go ahead and, and get in debt to the point that, that, that then things aren't going well. Oh, I'm getting confused. Anyway, uh, but, but sometimes we get underneath that, and, and uh, we need to just ask the Lord to help us get a plan uh, to, to do something there. Well, there might be others that say they're all spiritual and say, Well, I know, preacher, purpose is to give all you can. Amen? With a cheesy grin on their face, I guess. Give, that's it, isn't it? Well, giving is scriptural, and we should do it. Sounds really good. It's a big part of being balanced. But if that's your objective, and you're not responsible about it, you might give to the wrong stuff, right? And you might not take care of some of the other things that you need to do, because you do need to save some. You do need to provide, you know, things like that. So somebody else might sound really slick and say, I know what it is. It's to be financially free. Now, stop for a second. I have to do a disclaimer. Close I know I was just talking about that last night, about us, <laughs> okay? And it is, it is okay. It is a good, all these things in their place are okay. They are good things. But if that is all that your focus is, is just being free, free to do what? You got to have some, there's no boundaries, there's no perimeters, there's no like free to do what? Free, what, what does that mean? So just that in itself sounds like a worthwhile goal, but it doesn't really give us direction. So what is that one thing? What is that one thing that Scripture gives us that he's trying to bring out here about, about our lives, uh, of everything? What should be the true north point on my compass? What should be the grid that when it comes to just material things that Jesus dealt with to show this guy his true heart condition? But with me, with my material things, what should be the grid that I filter everything through to make financial decisions. What's the clearest objective that would give me direction as it relates to my, my, my time, my income, my debt, my spending, my lifestyle? Because all these things have a part, do they not? They do. And he's not saying you can't have anything. He's just saying, do things have you? Are you in bondage? Jesus tried to direct this rich young ruler to this. But you know what? Remember who we were a couple weeks ago in the Old Testament? Way back there where David, they were ready. David's about to die and, and had the people bring in offerings and they're about to uh, provide for Solomon who's going to build the temple, this place of worship that they're going to have. And there's an Old Testament thing. We don't do that now. But, um, and the people had given. And right before David died, he prayed that great prayer. Remember that? In First Chronicles 29.10, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And he said, Blessed are you. Are you listening to this? This is powerful. He said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Listen to what he says. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. This kind of sounds like some of the worship songs we're singing, doesn't it? Yeah, it comes from Scripture. Anyway, he says, For all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Remember, this brings us back to what we've been talking about every week. He talks about in this passage, everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. And everything is distributed by God. We need to remember that. Everything belongs to God, comes from God, and is distributed by God as he sees fit. Because he goes on to say, he says, uh, Yours is a kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. 
and you reign over all, and your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great, to give strength to all. It says, now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. I just love reading scripture. You know, it's just so powerful. It's alive. And then he says, um, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer willingly as this, that we should be able to give this? Listen to what he says. He says, for all things come from you and out of your own we have given to you. So even when I give, I'm just giving God back something that he first gave me. All that we've given came from you. I love that perspective. And, and then I, I, really like, I really like what he says, that all of this abundance, that all this actually came from your hand. But what was his prayer? What was his prayer to keep the people focused? With all the stuff that you have and how God has blessed us and we brought this together to provide for this, this event, verse 18, and I want to put that up there because before David's done, he cries out, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of heart. So what is it? What is in my heart? You know, where your treasure is, there your heart is, right? What is the intent of the heart and the heart of your people? This is where our heart needs to be. And is this, keep this intention and to fix our heart toward you. He wants that to be part of the objective is that our hearts are fixed toward God and fixed on him. And this is the thing, this is the one thing that God wants for you. This is this one truth that, you know, in this passage we see all these things. And then he shows us that, that he wants our hearts fixed on him. So what is that one thing that God wants us to do with everything that we have, with the resources? If we're going to do something that really shows where our heart is, what is it? What is it with whether we're saving, whether we're spending, whether we're giving, whether we're doing what? What is it that needs to be the thing that we filter it all through? And here's the purpose you see there. And here's part of what the guy was trying to be, that Jesus tried to teach the guy in Luke chapter 18, and that is that we're to do this some very simple, and that is to honor and glorify God. It's that simple. That in my spending, in my providing, in my saving, am I doing it all for me? Or am I, am I trying to glorify God by the way I want to take care of my family? And uh, is God saying that he doesn't want you to have any fun? No. Of course not. Was that his point? Are you still with me? Don't miss this. Because right after that, because see, the guy was rich. Do you know they had this weird idea in their culture that if you're rich, it just showed that you were blessed by God? We know that's not true because some of the most wicked people in the world are, are like really, really rich. Some rich, 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 excuse me, rich. And some of the, you know, the best people are poor, right? So that, that doesn't equate, never has. But anyway, um, after this guy went away, the, the, Jesus saw it. He started talking about how difficult it was for those who were obsessed with their own stuff to get into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, easier, like, remember that's where the saying, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than, yeah. And then they were asking, like, well, then who will be saved? Because we thought, you know, that was a sign. And Jesus said, well, with, with men, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible, right? Because, see, God can do this. Uh, but your riches aren't going to save you. It's God that saves you, okay? Um, then listen to this. Peter says in verse 28, see, we've left all and followed you. Listen to what Jesus says to him. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or parents or brothers or wife for the sake of the kingdom of God. You know, he's got a true motive, right? Not just show. Listen, he says in verse 30, Who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life? 
Can you outgive God? No. So he said, basically, was he going to ask the guy to actually give up everything? I don't know that he was. He needed to be willing to. But he needed to realize who the real owner of it all was. But Jesus says, if you get the right focus, you're going to be more blessed here in several different ways than you would have otherwise if you tried to do it on your own. So you're going to have many times more. You're going to enjoy more what you have. But wait, there's more. And this is a bonus offer that you can't refuse. Eternal life. Eternal life. So here's the thing. The guy was thinking about eternal life. And Jesus is trying to show him you to get your heart right. You're going to get to have more and enjoy more here that you're so obsessed with. But your attitude toward it is going to be different. And you also have eternal life. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the thing about it is, is that this whole thing of honoring God and glorifying God isn't just about giving like he told the guy to give to the poor. It's not just about giving. We find out it's also about living. Are you with me? It's also about living. Giving's part. I'm glad. i got to wrap this up. I'm glad that I was raised in a family. We had something for kids to do on a dairy farm, right? And, and I like it even now. I said, well, you know, when I was a kid, we had to get up in the morning and feed those baby calves. And we had to do, all, you know, all that um, stuff. And... I kind of worry about this generation. What are they going to tell their kids? You know? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, we only had flip phones. I don't know. I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, we only had dial-up internet. You know? Um, yeah. Or when I was a kid, yeah, that wouldn't even be true. I used to say that for my generation, we have to tell our kids why we didn't walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. That when I was a kid, we had to get up to go change channels on the TV, Right? Uh, now you don't even have to push a button. You just speak it, right? Isn't that as creepy? I'm not doing it because I don't want something's listening to me. You know what I'm saying? I can imagine whoever, if they really are spying on us, the guy that's got the job of listening to people and people like me, they're like, just turn that off, man. I can't stand that anymore. This guy won't shut up. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, so like, you know, giving is part of it. And I'm glad I was raised where we had uh, a farm to work on. And all of us boys, we had jobs, okay? And we got an allowance. Now, dad said it really wasn't pay. It was an allowance. I'm going to allow you to have this because I don't have to give it to you. Get it? But said, you're still going to have to earn it. And he always reminded stuff about getting room and board. I'm telling you guys, Papa Moon was a lot tougher back then. And he's just like a, you know, teddy bear now. But, you, you know, so our allowance was based on how much extra we did. You know, we had the basic stuff we're supposed to do, but how enthusiastically you did that and what extra you did would determine on how much allowance you got. So there was a, a you know, work hard type thing. And then Dad would begin to give us some of, on our dairy, uh, the bull calves. Uh, we would... Uh, make steers out of them, but uh, we would grow them out on his land, and then we would sell them, and we had to buy our own cars, but he would do this, let us use the land. We had to take care of them, and so that me and my brothers were able to buy our own vehicles because Dad said, I'm not buying them for you, but he gave us this, and so we had responsibility. But another thing was is they taught us about a little bit about learning it to, to budget that and to save a little bit, and then also about as you sell some of those calves um, that you need to realize part of this does belong to God, so they taught us about tithing, and I found out that it's a different to give a dime when you've got a dollar than if you were to get a thousand dollars for them to drop a Benjamin in the offering plate. It's the same percentage, right? It's the same, but 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 it is you know sometimes your mind. So the tithe belongs to God. It's ten percent, and I'm glad that they taught us you know about that. 
But the thing I also had to learn that doing that wasn't about just giving God his cut. Right? It's not giving you your cut and this is mine. Woo! Gave God his cut. It's not that. It's an act of worship. Because I realize that 100% of it belongs to God. And the 90% he lets me keep, but he still wants me to be a good manager of it. It's still his. And so the Lord wants... How do you take care of my stuff I gave you? How are you taking care of the time I've given you? How are you taking care of all the stuff? He does want us to enjoy it, but he wants us to be balanced and to honor and glorify him in all these things. So it's all about ownership and realizing 100%. And that's what the guy in the story did not realize is that 100% of everything that he had actually belonged to God. And if God wanted to take it, he could take it. He doesn't have to wait for you to surrender. And he's not concerned with money. He's concerned with your heart. See, that's what he's concerned with. God doesn't want something from you. Listen to me. God wants something for you, just like he wanted for that young man in that story. In fact, God doesn't want something. He he wants to give you something. It's because God so loved the world that he gave his son, John 3.16. He didn't do this in order to get something back from you. He did it because he wanted something for you, eternal life. Right? All right. Let's take it home. You ready? Okay, I'll keep going. Take it home. Let's take it home. There we go. I need to ask myself, how can I honor God and glorify God with with everything, my time, talent, and treasures? How can I do that? That's going to be personal between me and God, and I need to be in the Scripture, and I need to realize that I don't need to let money and things manipulate me and use me, and and I don't need to use money to manipulate or control other people, right? It's not even mine. It's God's. He can take it anytime he wants. Or he can bless it and multiply it. Uh, but I've got a responsibility. Do I not? And so do you. To work hard, be faithful, and have a desire to glorify him. So I ask myself, this is what I'm doing. I'll just tell you what I'm doing. Two things. Prayer and, a, and, and I need to play. I need to pr- I, I'm just going to tell you, I need to pray more about this. Huh? Does that bother you? That I would say that at this point. Do you have to have all this like perfectly figured out and, and executed in order to preach it? Uh, I'm, I'm never going to be that. I, I, you know, I'm growing. I want to learn. But I need to pray more about it, about things that I've been taking for granted. And, and, and the other word is a, a word that starts with P, and it means is plan. I need to have a plan. Ask God to help me have a plan and, and to glorify him. I want to have a plan to glorify God and to honor God with everything. And maybe some things I need to do, maybe some things I need to quit doing. But I want to honor him with all this. Main thing I want to do is I want my heart to be his. I don't want my heart belonging to something else. So maybe before I could even honor him, the first thing you need to ask, do I really trust him? Do I really trust him with my heart and my whole life? Or do I think it's mine and not my creator? See, he created me. Then he also redeemed me and saved me. I've been bought with a price on Calvary. And I find that the life God chooses for me is really the life I would have chose for myself. I just had enough sense to choose it. Amen? God help us. Let's pray.